0: That does sound a little bit like the Charlie Bamforth story about when he was talking about Guinness and the old lady who put her hand up and said, "Now, is it true that uh, the reason that Guinness tastes the way it is is because they have a dead cow in the vat?" <laughs> and Charlie like said, pretty- "My my my dear woman, that's ridiculous. It's two cows." <laughs> everyone right to go okay everyone we're good to go we're good to go radio Brews news is proudly presented by cryomalt with over 25 years in the field cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer they are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this and this is Brews news week the uh thing it's a podcast we've been doing it for a while now um, in which we take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues that are breaking across this wide brown land and across this crazy spinning globe that we call home. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a pleasure to welcome from our Brisbane studios, Matt Get G'day, Matt.
1: Good morning, Pete. Are you wearing a Mountain Designs zip-up jacket or anything like that as you uh, ask us whether we're good to go?
0: I'm rocking the... Bruise News equivalent of the North Face jacket today, which is the Radio Bruise News News Not Noise t-shirt.
2: I love that he comes in uniform, despite that we can't see him.
0: (laughs) Can I say, look, I I could say yes, you know, deliberate, but um, stayed up a little bit later last night and I get my clothes out ready in the morning because, you know, because I don't live with mum, so she can't put them out on the end of the bed for me. So I, I just grabbed, I, I just opened the drawer in the dark so I didn't wake Carol and um, grabbed the first one. And then when I put it on this morning, realised, oh, there's the. Oh, that news.
2: worked out nicely then, didn't it?
0: So it was completely serendipitous, um, but also completely coincidental.
2: <laughs>
0: but anyway, and it's a pleasure to welcome the other voice you heard, Claire, the boom in the room, Burnett. G'day, Claire. <laughs> hey, Pete. What a big news uh, week it's been in the news world of beer.
2: Hasn't it just? Yeah, it's been busy. It's been very busy.
1: It has. Well, I, not so busy that I couldn't um, ha, have a... a, 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 a Swan a, a off at lunch. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> uh, Stone did a Remembrance Day um, lunch. Um, their head brewer, McBarnes uh, at the Stonewood Brisbane venue, is a former serviceman. Actually, there's, there's quite a number of current brewers who have been active servicemen. Maddie Wilson. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I was yeah. say, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I and I, Paul,
0: Paul Brock, who he was in the tank regiment. Uh, he used to be. He was involved with uh, Otway Estate, uh, Prickly Moses, back in the early days. Okay. So yeah, there's quite a few. If, if you there's, know probably, of any, we should. Quite a few more that we don't know. We, we, we should get an honour
1: roll. Yeah, we should. Um, for brewers who have served. But for now, as they say in the states, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Yes. Um, but and, and I'll tell you what, Mick Barnes is a cracking brewer. Like they're they're doing some really interesting. They've obviously got the core range of Stonewood uh, beers down there. But you know he's doing some really nice beers down there, say. So, so I got to go down and try his Legacy Lager, um, which is a red lager, poppy red lager, yeah, you know, made in the German style. It was it was lovely. But the, and also the food. That Wait, they not
0: had. But not a, not a tip of the hat to Rooftop Red, is it, Matt? That sounds a little bit like <laughs> what you're describing.
1: Actually, it was funny because he, he was describing lager. it to me, and you know, on, on one level as a brewer. You know, brewers break down the sort of malt profile and the the, the hot profile and these sorts of things. I, not having tried it, um, I actually wanted to fix the flavour point that I should be looking at. And, uh, you know, I said to him, so how does it, you know, where does it fit, um, you know, in regards to, say, Jasper? And he goes, oh, completely different beer. And and, and actually, this leads in a little way to our... um, period of conversation this week with Peter Lawler because, uh, you know, from a brewer's point of view, uh, a red lager is drastically different to a red-ish ale.
0: Or an like like uh, of which Jasper is a very good example.
1: Although it's apparently the, it, it's changed a little bit. And it, it has, to, to, it has more, yeah. it,
0: to be a little bit more hoppy, to yep. aim at the hoppy Yeah, lovers.
1: yeah. But, you know, and, and then I, and I stopped to think about it and we, we had a bit of a discussion because on, on some level – you know, uh, a, a Schwartz beer and a stout are, in technical terms, drastically different beers. But they look very similar in the glass. Well, they look similar in the glass. And to a, to a punter who, you know, gosh, God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so um, sorry, A boozy <laughs> punter, Matt? To, to, to the average, well, you know. That's, He's going yeah, to say booze, Matt. To the average yeah, booze, <laughs> the average yeah, booze, booze drinker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, it's slightly roasty at, yeah, and... Whilst they may be left with a perception of Christmas or something like that, um, you know the, the the beer is going to be fundamentally the same. Yeah, so I, I don't know how I went down this rabbit hole. Lovely lunch at Stonewood, really interesting beer discussion, um, and he's making some great beers, and we thank him for his service and also all of the money that they raised for Legacy yesterday.
0: Yep. and I have seen too that um, they have launched their Stonewood Beer Club. Not that it's not a paid spot or anything like no, that, no. but I
1: just sort of looked at it and thought it looks pretty good. Well, we did a story about beer mm. clubs a couple of weeks ago. It was interesting that of the three that we reached out to, two of them had actually put up the you know we're closed, we're full sign because right. yeah, and because they were scaling up. Um, mm. And Stone would have just you know you know opened the uh, tuck shop window again, obviously to sort of, uh, take more people on, which is which is great.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good way to engage with a. With a brand it's just difficult when you then get uh, a, a few more as i'm sure will happen you know in years to come because um, it's it's quite different to subscribing to you know like a mixed case from beer cartel for example or, or one of you know the carwins you know can vent calendar or which i think might pop up in the news i haven't it looked right down my notes yet but <laughs> boom um Do people want to go for, you know, the mixed thing or do you want to sort of, you know, hitch – because realistically you can't afford to be the member of too many sort of beer clubs, Mm. apart from the fact that, you know, unless you live in a warehouse, you're not going to be able to fit them all and and you're not going to be able to drink them responsibly in the time that you should.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it's just about loyalty, isn't it? I think people aren't – like of course they love the beer, but they want to support the brewery that they're most loyal to that, that they have a connection with, um, and that's really cool in itself. And you know that provides. I think we even wrote in that article that it you know it provides um, that brewer with a guaranteed audience. They know that they're gonna be getting that beer, they're gonna get that money in that month from their beer subscription suppliers, and anything that's a constant source of revenue and um, customer loyalty is gonna be awesome.
1: But constantly engaging with your client and getting mm. direct feedback. Um,
2: yeah, that's really helpful because they're often quite vocal. Mm. <laughs> which i'm sure was <laughs> <good> fun <laughs> and and and
1: it, it it's a business model it, uh, there's a podcast i've been listening to um great tales of capitalism or something like that and it's just a little bit of a it looks at you know netflix and amazon and you know we and just sort of does a, a a bit of a story looking at a business um and they've recently done kodak and looking at how kodak it was actually a kodak employee who developed the ccd the charge coupling device that became developed digital <laughs> <what> <laughs> Oh, I'll take that. I'll claim that. Um, but one of the things that they talked about was a recurring theme that we're seeing in some of these businesses at the moment is the need for constant evolution. And you know, there was a um, a pram make manufacturer um, who gained market share because they directly sold to the market. And one of the things that they said is it gives us direct feedback to our customers. You know, it, it changes the margins that we get, but there is a direct connection, direct feedback, direct communication channel that when we sell um, beer through a, a retail store, we're not getting the feedback that, the you know, and when you apply it to a, a brewery, like if somebody walks in to a a bottle shop and says to the, you know, 21-year-old clerk, oh I don't like this, it's X, or, you know, no, I'm not going to buy that. I had tried that last week. You're not getting that feedback um, passed on. And uh, so, yeah, the, the, the online bottle shops are, seem to be, a, like the online beer clubs, um, seem to be as much about engaging on many levels directly with with the consumer and getting them into your orbit. Have you guys caught up um, with the um, beer as a conversation? Because I did touch on it in my ramble before. Um, have you heard the Peter Lawler conversation yet?
2: I'm halfway through. Halfway through. Yep, halfway through.
1: I, I have He's not. He's cool, yet. isn't he? Nice bloke. Lovely bloke, sort of bloke you'd like to have a beer with.
2: Yeah, but it which was, is great for a writer.
1: We for, for a beer. Yeah, ride, but at, beer at the same time, like it was kind of like it, it was an abject lesson in stepping outside of the beer bubble. As I said in the intro, mm. you know, like it, there was so much two fifty-year-old white blokes reminiscing about the good old days, <laughs> which I'm very, very conscious of, and that wasn't the intent. But as somebody who has one of the biggest platforms, um, in, you know, bigger than Brews News bigger than um, Crafty Pint because he writes for a mainstream media and I'm sure that anything that he writes about beer is just seen by more people in Australia than what we do and so I sort of took my own approach to beer writing um, and you know love for, 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 for the product and applied it to him but then when you sit down and chat you know he's kind of like the accidental cricket Features writer um, because he never set down, you know, set out to be a cricketing writer. And it was the same with beer. And his approach to beer, you know, wasn't quite often when you look at you know, any 20 list, oh, I've got to have, you know, at least one or two from every state. I've got to have this one to show that I'm cool. I've got to have this one to show that I'm also a bit mainstream. Um, it, it really came across these just beers that have stood out for him during the year make his list. Really nice reminder that. You know for 90%, you know, maybe even more. You know, if, if craft beer is 10% of the market, you know, a lot of people are drinking craft beer that don't think about it, you know, outside of the cold refreshment that it mm-hmm. provides them when they drink it. That there is this huge element of the market that we serve that don't care about what we think on Radio Brews News. Um, they, <laughs> god, <don't>, forbid. <laughs> god forbid, they should. Um, and, yeah, and, so, and that's why we always say drink it
0: responsibly but don't take it too seriously
1: mm-hmm. and, and thank you to James uh, and, and again James Davidson frequent correspondent to the, the podcast um, if you wanted better illustration of some of the things that Peter was saying um, and you know James it, it sounded like he was initially going to sort of turn his nose up you know, as the um, evolved beer snob it's probably not un, unfair beer you know, nerd, nerd yeah. um, uh, that he's, he's become um, you know but then suddenly thought back to Shit! I actually did do that. I tore out my top twenty beer list and went and sort of sought those beers out. And he still got it. You know, what fifteen years later? And yeah,
0: I'll, I'll see you and raise you. I've um, I've got the article, but I've also got um, one of each of those beers from the top twenty.
1: Oh, really? Never.
0: <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> Good ho- hopefully um, not the beer, just the bottle. So you know, my number's at least twenty now. For those who are playing along <laughs> and guessing how many beers were in my shed. Yeah, a, a good read and um, and a good listen, I'm sure. So get on to beer as a conversation because there's not too many left for the year. The year is almost done and I'm, I know most people can't wait to see the arse end of it, but um, there's still a little bit more <laughs> to be done. There's nothing magic and, uh, about
1: December 31st, mate, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that's Same. right. <laughs> the COVID doesn't turn into a pumpkin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if only.
1: Let's start with the news. Uh, new board
0: members at the IBA as Pete Phillip returns as chair. The IBA held its annual general meeting on the 10th of November, which saw two new full board members appointments with Karina Steeb from uh, Prancing Pony Brewery and Claire Clouting from Gage Roads, elected uh, by the membership for a three year term. The board also nominated two casual directors to the board, um, which were one year appointments and also asked Pete Phillip from Wayward Brewing to serve a final one year term as chairman and also Johnny Ladder from Nomad Brewing to continue to head up the trade marketing group. Their priorities for the next year include ensuring a fair excise beer tax rate for indie brewers through the increase of the small brewer rebate up to 350,000, supporting regional growth through additional government investment, ensuring open market access for indie brewers through the review of tap contracts, (laughs) and obtaining a commitment to fund the development of a long-term strategy for ensuring that the indie beer industry can achieve its goal of reaching 15% of the Australian beer market by 2025. And I'm just uh, realising that uh, people who are playing bingo at home would have snapped the end of their pencil about twice now um, and and be just about halfway through the card. But, yeah, some good stuff there, and well done to the IBA.
1: Congratulations, you know, fully supportive of the Independent um, Association. I'll be interested to see how they do tackle the issue of contracts because, you know, with any member-driven organisation, there are a number of them in there that have contracts, yep. um, despite being independent. As the the chat I had with um, uh, Deep Creek, Paul Brown, you know, and uh, not expecting him to have contracts, suddenly, you know, the conversation just happened upon that and he says yeah we do it you know for this reason yeah. and stuff like that um, and, and and we've discussed
0: before when does a tap contract become a mutually beneficial
1: commercial arrangement it doesn't have to have a signature on you know if you've got a good working relationship you know there are some people that you just find you work easier with and they make it easy for you
2: and you'll inevitably give them a better deal just because well, you make give... you've work together for ages you know that I want to look after reliable. you because you're
1: looking after me and yeah. if I need
0: something on a weekend or outside of delivery times you know you'll drop something off but yeah it's and at the end of the day if I'm a uh, a proprietor i want to pour what sells and, and and inevitably that comes from relationships you know, good relationships with with good um
1: suppliers if you've run out of one keg and order the next one and so i don't have to keep sending uh you know my ad sales guy out there at you know 45 50 an hour um to try and sell you that keg you know there's a business saving to me that i'll pass on to you and you know whether that's signed or anything like that but that's uh, yeah I mean and contracts are much more complicated than that and there's a conversation with uh, Paul indicated but you know yeah so it'll be it'll be very very interesting to see.
2: And that seems like such considering how much work I've sort of did in the first half of the year on tap contracts like it seems like such a massive hurdle to overcome anyway and like we say you know if you if you're founders first or mighty craft now I think um, and you have tap contracts how is that going to affect you? Yep, if and the IBA saying no, we don't like them, it must be very confusing for everyone. <laughs> and excise is another
1: one because there's no consensus um, around whether excise reduction is good or bad, and whether excise reduction will actually bring more players who are less involved in the community, and we'll see a whole uh, we'll see a flood of contract brands that don't have a investment in. The industry, and we, we, I've seen a whole lot of <laughs> a lot of media releases this week from um, businesses that you know, are, are telling the story. A couple of mates decided that you know, our region needed its own named beer that we don't make in the region, but will sell in the region because that gives us a good marketing story. And whether we'll see a a, you know, a flood of those if they think that suddenly the margins are better because of excise or, you know. So, yeah, so it, it, it's always interesting to see how as an organisation these things are, are dealt with and, you know, we, we wish them like as they do. And
0: it'll also be interesting to see post-COVID how the landscape changes with uh, some venues perhaps re-looking at, you know, reestablishing their brand or saying, okay, we, we can't carry as many different brand you know, we're going to... Um, rationalize our our offering or or not open at all or you know whatever it might be there's uh, there there will be opportunities for brewers but the with more breweries coming on you know every week Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it certainly difficult particularly for those i guess the the stalwarts the the veterans the and i'm talking about you know the whether it's the holgates the two birds the the hawkers the um, Green Beacons, although not necessarily independent, but you know that that size brewery that are sort of um, got to a stage now where yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot more competition than than when they were the new kid on the block.
1: And while you know local is the hot thing in bottle shops, you know at, at the moment, and so we've seen a lot of love from just about every bottle shop chain, big and small, is mm-hmm. making a big thing about local. Um, you know, if there's a shift in consumer um about sentiment yeah, yeah sentiment yeah you know? how um, much of
0: that post-covid yeah unprecedentedness will will carry
1: on will we see the new a thinning normal? of the lines you know to the ones that sell so yeah but uh, yeah now speaking of getting beer
0: out in the market Coffee Milk Stout recalled over re-fermentation fears. A batch of a collaboration brew by Six String Brewing in New South Wales has been recalled. The Mr Black Coffee Milk Stout, which is a collaboration between the brewery and Mr Black Coffee Liqueur, was initially launched back in May. Uh, Last week, um, Sands, the Food Standards Australia and New Zealand published a recall notice for the batch brewed in August, which is dated with a best before of 12.05.21. It's an 8% uh, ABV beer. It's been recalled due to, quote, the potential for alcohol to exceed marked alcohol content and possibly for can to rupture due to a secondary fermentation. Um, so now, uh, and unrelated but related, um, in the Carwin Cellars Canvent, um, Canvent box, yep. dollar, beer, dollar Bill beer, the priming sugars weren't mixed in correctly. They usually sit on it for two months but only got two weeks to do this one. It highlights a couple of
1: issues, does it not? Well, first of all, congratulations to the brewers for the way they've handled it. And also, you know, like it's, it's one of those hard calls you make as a journalist, and full credit to Claire here, who's the person who has to reach out to these people and say, look, you know, we wanted to talk about this. <laughs> um, and the brewers have been very, very forthcoming um, in talking about the issues and being very open and honest. And so, you know, full credit to them, the way they've handled, handled it and all of those sorts of things. So good you know kudos to them I, I guess as a um industry you know broader industry thing these aren't isolated issues um and we have been hearing of a number of these and then also speaking to people in retail there who, who literally have to clean up not just figuratively have to clean up um when there is a recall um that uh, it, it is a growing issue um and for, so,
0: is there a suggestion that, like, for every one of the ones that, we, for everyone we know about, there's another two or three that are just quietly recalled?
1: Not recalls, because I don't think you no. can quietly recall. And I don't
2: think um, the dollar bill bill was technically recalled because they didn't go out into like market. Like beat bottle shops and stuff. It was purely in the calendar, and um, the calendar had only gone out to a quarter of the customers that um, were, would have been affected. So actually, they were managed to do it in the warehouse and say, "Look, oh, well, we can just swap it out now." It was
1: smaller recall, so they yeah they, they, little, little they, recall. They, yeah, yeah they, they called it back, Baby but it recall. wasn't the you know red and yellow. Um, yeah, it didn't
2: have to. I don't think they have to sell F sounds on something like that. It's just if it's just gone out into the wider market and you don't know who necessarily who's got it. Obviously, they've got a list of the names of the people they've sold canvents to, so. Um, um, they were a little bit more protected in, in that respect.
1: I, I can only say this by complete coincidence because this week we have um, pushed out a, a featured event that we've been working on for some time um, about innovation and quality um, and you know uh, to, to look at this issue that came about as a result of issues that people were bringing to us or concerns that um, uh, were, were coming to us about a range of retail issues and... Um, and as a result, we've been working with uh, you know a, a group of people to sort of bring them together to talk about the issue on a on, on a webinar, including um, uh, Professor Charlie Bamforth, who's been wanting to uh, uh, have a conversation with us for, for some time, which is really lovely. <laughs> um, but you know, and yeah, so I, I sort of always feel that when these things align, and suddenly we've had a couple of recalls, and it looks like suddenly Bruce News are going. Let's capitalise on this with a webinar. This has been actually um, entirely
2: clear. you got think
0: got a strike while the top, hot. That one, and it's yeah. the issue was absolutely. front of mind because as, as we said you know every time we publish a new episode there's somebody listening to us for the first time who is uh, just open a brewery or has one in planning or is, is thinking about it so uh, and quality is first second and third most important things you know then comes your branding then comes what you name your brewery and whether you have a core range and specials or whatever but we've got we've got to get that quality issue
1: right yeah
2: absolutely yeah and
1: it, it is a big thing because it's not like you know these are refermentation, and, you know, whilst re-fermentation can take beer out of the alcohol spec. Um, it can literally cause the cans to explode. Um, and I understand um, that that had been an issue, at least on in, in one of these beers that were called this one, week. Now. Yeah, I can't <laughs> remember which one uh, now. But again, it was the brewers who mm-hmm. told us about it. But, you know, Pete, I've been getting, we've been getting a, a, a torrent of beers sent to us as, you know, Brewers launch new one-off beers and specialty beers and things like that, and I don't know whether you're a little bit the same, but there's been a growing frequency of opening cartons of beer, and you reach in and there is, you know, sticky Sticky, cans um, in the in the box, and you know some of them have clearly been seeming issues with the lid where you can actually see. Um, beer oozing out um, of the lid which is a problem or whether it's just however the packaging goes the cans aren't being washed properly um, and you know when you're talking about a 10 or 12 dollar retail experience when you reach into the hopefully the beer fridge or onto a shelf um, and touch a can that's a bit sticky that is not a good that's not a premium retail experience. Mm. Um, no, right. That, that does come back to quality. And as Claire, clouding, uh, and one of the things that we'll we'll discuss, um, you know, Claire has a very, uh, um, you know, her, she is the quality, you know, person for Gauge, and she's on the board, uh, on, on now on the board of the IBA. But one of the things that, one of the points that she made is that the independent logo that appears on cans isn't just there to market your brand and sort of stand it out. That is actually a thread that runs through every brewery that's got that can, and if somebody has a bad experience with a beer that's marked independent,
2: oh, I didn't even, yeah, that that, that that is
1: a positive statement of independence, but it can also become a negative um, very quickly, as we saw in, in in the US when quality issues, you know, I think it was the the nineties, early two thousands, and uh, so anyway, it's it, a very very important issue, quite apart from these recalls, quality, um, and it does seem to be a perceptible issue in the marketplace um so anyway um and that that's it's a it's it's a free webinar that we're doing but those are some of the issues that the panel have said that they want to talk about um and we will be looking at so uh, yeah it certainly doesn't benefit us whether we've got 100 people um or five people in the uh you know listening to the webinar
0: speaking of quality and uh, innovation our next story hpa uh their hop launch um, a mixed pack which I thought was really exciting, to debut its latest proprietary variety called Eclipse. Hop Products Australia has launched a mixed pack of twelve single hop beers from breweries from around the country. Um so the it's a collaboration, twelve different brewers. Deed, Sunday Road, Blaster, Batch, Bridge Road, Newstead, New England, Hop Nation, Moo Brew, Mountain Culture, Mr. Banks, and Two Birds.
2: Yeah, or
0: using cool.
2: Eclipse as a, a single hop. Yeah, gear, and I, I reckon it's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, what a bloody great idea! Because then you can not only show what the hop can actually do. And OJ was really like quite cool about it. He was just like, "Look, we normally do go to trade shows. You know, that's how you launch a hop." That's how you conventionally do it. That's how most of the market do it. Um, And we just thought, like, let's do something a bit different. I don't think it's the first ever in the world that's done it like this, but it's definitely up there with um, what I've seen. And what a great way you get it out to customers who are going to be quite vocal craft beer fans, I imagine, that can talk about this um, hop in the marketplace. Uh, And then also get brewers to try it in a whole massive range of different styles. Um, And I spoke to DJ McCready at Mountain Culture, and he was like, look, you know, we opened it and we were like, not sure about this one because it was kind of – it wasn't as, like, aromatic, I believe, as, as an, another hot might be. Um, But then they used it and they were like, yeah, we're really happy with this, and they could use it in loads of different um, types of beers. They used it in a mid-strength as well as their um, Eclipse Mix Pack one. Um, and, yeah, I think everyone seems to be quite happy and quite interested and excited about this one. So, yeah, well done, HBO.
0: I think it's a great um, uh, side benefit or a result of uh... – places like HPA, businesses like HPA employing uh, brewers to, I guess, be that link between the, you know, the farm and the, and the bar. Yeah. Um, or, or you can, can speak brewer language and, and I guess, you know, it, it's a more direct relationship with, uh, with other brewers. And because um, I don't think five years ago, Matt, and we've been talking about the hop report every year for 10 years. Um, that we you know we would have had something like this five or ten years ago
1: mate it, it, exactly and it, you know, it's one of those hard things because you know this this was launched um, on monday um, and obviously there's a coordinated strategy um, where hpa had you know, um, worked and got all of this out. And so on one level, there is a PR element. Second level, there is, you know, this is genuine news. And as we like to say in these parts, um, you know, your beer shouldn't gush and nor should your news. Um, so when you look at something like, uh, you know, a new hop being launched and how you approach the coverage, you don't want to be, you know, gushing about a damp squib, um, but All of the podcasts that I've heard coming out of America um, recently, and by that I mean just about anything, you know, the 17 that John um, (laughs) of runs, the brewers have name-checked independently and unprompted HPA 016, which is the new eclipse, and talking about how excited they are. And, you know, that says a lot about the way that brewers are actually responding.
0: Yeah, exactly. So well done to them. Um, Keep an eye out for it in um, good
1: retailers. Um, Is it out yet? It is. Uh, I haven't mm-hmm. seen our. Apparently, we're getting sent a, a carton. So um, Ooh, good on you. But then also, uh, well, mate, I'll, we'll,
2: we'll send you we'll, we'll a share. selection. Nah, all, no, that's right, no.
1: Yeah. And then that was the prize that we were teasing last week as well. So there are two <laughs>
0: cartons. Yeah, you were to dancing around our... that, weren't you?
1: <laughs> There's going to be a big announcement on Monday.
0: Well, when was that embargo? <laughs> so hey, speaking uh, of embargoes, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it last oh, year, but last week. Um, Claire, have you ever had any experience with breaking oh, no. an embargo? <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. The the Queen of England's mad at me, effectively. <laughs> we'll
1: um, just add her to the list this week, I mean, yeah, literally. You, you won't uh, be getting the card
0: on your 100th birthday.
2: No, definitely not, if I make it that far. Um, yeah, so basically we, you know, like the knighthoods and all that kind of stuff that come out, like New Year's Honours, they call it. So I broke mm. an embargo on that, and I got a really, really angry call from like the Home Office or something. But my, I was like a baby journalist. I was like twenty-one or something like that. My editor had sent it, and I just put it up. I didn't look at the embargo at the bottom, and I was like, "You idiot, Claire!" So I've never, ever done that again. Um, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> That's what happened, learned. And,
1: and, and instantly, <laughs> like we, we, like embargoes um, are often used to give journalists a chance to do the story, you know, dig into the story and not respond just once it lands on your desk. And it, it, it is a very help, helpful tool. Um, but then it's also used, you know, so suddenly you see... Every beer publication launched the same story at at, <laughs> at, at the same at the same moment, and uh, um, or sometimes
2: earlier. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: So we we didn't actually um, break the embargo, but apparently others did. Um. Oh. So, but you know, like when everyone's launching the story, it doesn't matter. Like everyone's nah. got the same story. Yay. It doesn't matter who's first. Did um, I
0: do that? <laughs> <laughs> Quarterly sales are up for Endeavor Drinks. Endeavor Drinks has seen sales grow 20, count them, 20% on the same quarter last year. For its first quarter to the 4th of October 2020, sales at Endeavor-owned bottle shops, BWS and Dan Murphy's rose $2.7 billion, up from $2.2 billion in the same period last year. Uh, It said that sales growth was prompted by continued in-home consumption, echoing Coles Liquor, which we talked about last week, which reported um, its uh, first quarter results predicting that at-home consumption would be the, quote, new normal. At the same time, global big data and consumer insight specialist IRI has released data which shows that it is new buyers that are fueling the the growth of craft beer and bottle shops. That, I think, is the most telling and most important bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, guys I just added that bit in because we didn't have that initially because the IRI data was, like, at the bottom. But to me, that was absolutely, Pete, the most interesting bit. And the IRI who do all the shopper data, so they do all the scanning data, um, they were, like... Basically, Australians who weren't pu- purchasing alcohol from retailers before have now started to do so, which is... Where were they
1: purchasing their alcohol from before?
2: They weren't buying any. They were like just going out. Oh, they were just going to the pub? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. That, yeah. I, think, I believe yeah. that's, that's right. what they meant. Yeah. They were just going to the pub, just drinking out. They didn't have much at home, um, which seems shocking <laughs> to me, but that's just me. Uh, so yeah, uh, 231,000 households extra buying alcohol. So, you know, we always discuss like, are we drinking more in, during lockdown, all that kind of stuff. That that's another sort of contributing factor, and that's what they talked about at the um, IRI webinar as well. Um, there's been such conflicting information in the media about are we drinking more in um, lockdown or not, and things like this sort of point towards not really. So that was quite interesting.
0: Mm. Yeah, the yin to that, Yang. Uh, sad day as US importers Shelton, Shelton Brothers close. Uh, Australia and New Zealand brewers have said it is a sad day as U.S. importer Shelton Brothers is forced into liquidation. So according to U.S. beer news site Good Beer Hunting last week, the Massachusetts-based Shelton Brothers announced it was closing its doors after 24 years, being forced into liquidation by its bank due to the pressures of COVID-19 as huge swathes of the U.S. uh, pub, restaurant, bar market is still closed, still locked down. Uh, The company, which also runs The Festival, Uh, which is attended by brewers from across the globe, has reportedly let go 25 staff. It owes money to suppliers and to brewers.
1: And they import from all over the world, including beers from Australia
0: and New Zealand breweries.
1: I mean, Shelton Brothers have always been on the landscape as long as I've been writing uh, about yeah, so it's one of those brands that you know very well, and then, you know, Australian brewers who have cracked the and New Zealand brewers who have cracked the U.S. market have often been picked up by Shelton Brothers. So when we saw that, that the local angle for us is: have any Australian or New Zealand brewers been affected by the collapse? Um, and the, the the feedback that we got was: you know, no one's been really um, hurt by it. Apparently, some of them had asked for COD. Um, you know, some of the brewers that had supplied had you know basically asked to be paid before they sent the beer or whatever because oh, of the risk. Well, quite often, like you do hear of you know, when distributors go broke, that the brewers are the ones who who have supplied them. Um, I guess
2: it makes a bit more sense when you're importing beer as well because you don't know necessarily how it's going to go in that market and you can't wait a few months mm. or whatever to be paid. So it might just make sense. And
1: it, well, w- 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 Which is one of the challenges, you know, because like, if you're paying up front and then it's months... Um, or in the case of, as somebody po- posted on the oh, Facebook yeah, <laughs> stone, stone, years me. before the beer is actually <laughs> sold. Um, <What>? Whoops. Um <laughs> That uh, – yeah, it, it can Anyone who be... anyone hasn't got a full card and then
0: buzzword bingo <laughs> now, feeding dinkum, you haven't been trying. Yeah. yeah,
1: So it was an interesting one, but also, you know, based on the, some of the phone calls and emails I've had um, outside, you know, there's a whole lot more beneath the surface in the US for Shelton Brothers, you know, whilst they were seen as being, you know, a major, major lever pulling, you know, creating awareness of craft beer, particularly in the early days with imports there is a lot more about the business. Um, You know, there have been lawsuits, there have been personality clashes um, and things that I, you know... Mm
2: -hmm we don't see directly. That we don't see directly, the, the, the don't see
1: directly isn't re- relevant to us, but there seems to be a lot more um, going on with that one as well.
2: And it was interesting as well because I spoke to Dave Langlands at Moo Brew and obviously Moondog. they. Oh, Moondog, sorry. Moo Brew. Moondog. And um, yeah, he was lovely and he was just saying, you know, they've got a really strong export business at the minute and they're doing really well, so it can be done effectively. But the feeling I got in, just in general, nobody really said it, was that, you know, Shelton hadn't quite managed to modernise in the way that you know other people had and the people that had been successful in uh, import and export um had been it had really good online presence had you know all this kind of stuff set up uh and shelton was a little bit more old school in their approach i believe and really had really strong relationships in the industry um but not necessarily the um platforms and things to back them up um which must have made it really hard during covid yeah do do you guys think
0: that post-covid Given Australia's uh, unique position um, it, geographically and and culturally, that we are we're a long way away and we're isolated and we're you know a country that's also a fairly big island, that we will have more of a focus on local, and and see fewer overseas exports uh, in, uh, imports. Mm. I've
1: been saying that for ten years. Like, you well, know, we're I think it was when we. Back when you and I were blogging on you know uh, our respective you know beer blokes and beer mat um, websites, when I made my New Year's resolution that you know all things being equal, I'm going to buy local.
0: But then you see a beautiful Weinstefan Pilsner on the show and
1: you go, "Oh, it, it well, wants me." But uh, <laughs> uh, is there a local equivalent to a Weinstefan Pilsner? No, like that's that's the thing. Well, they're they, there they, are they harder and the harder. Pilsners are harder. Yeah. So I have I haven't been drinking many uh, Weinstaphan or Pilsners, but with it becoming harder and harder to get, I feel like something in that going, category.
0: Going back to those blogging days, you know the other thing that we used oh, to do: we used do, to I'll drink everything from bottles. <laughs>
1: I'll and just don't know Cooper's
0: Coopers reaps rewards of their move to cans, And that's cans, not Cairns. Uh, <laughs> Cooper's uh, brewery has continued on its growth trajectory after a period of investment in modernisation. Total beer sales for the financial year to the 30th of June this year rose to 79.8 million litres, which was up from 76.8 million litres the year before. Uh, so for those who are good at maths, that's three million litres. Um, Coopers has been involved in a modernisation program, moving its session ale into packaged format in March 2018. And the Coopers dry the following September, while the original pale ale was made available in cans in August 2019. Um, and they're attributing that boost in sales and growth to the move to cans.
1: <laughs> They've put the hat on backwards and <laughs> fitting in with the That's kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Look, well, and look, I need to um, note uh, they're still well down. Like they're about four million liters down on their record. Yeah, eighty-four
2: million liters sold. Oh, in Five million. 20 okay, twenty yep. uh, seventeen.
1: So it, it was interesting. So they broke eighty million liters in sixteen. Increased again in twenty seventeen. Now, 2017 was an interesting year because it was early in that year when the gay marriage um, mm. yeah, I've story heard about broke. This. Oof! And so, on the figures, it didn't seem to hurt them. But also, we don't know whether for the first nine months they were mm. tracking it being much higher, and yeah. then actually <laughs> fell in the last quarter because the next year, the next full year that didn't include the you know that they had dropped significantly. Um, and they, they
0: also were producing. Brooklyn, which then went to Lyon. So was that about that same time?
1: Yeah, so I wouldn't lose, have thought that they, Brooklyn they was. Lost that volume. I wouldn't have thought Brooklyn was in million because that was one of the challenges. Yeah, Brooklyn wasn't getting. And a were volume. they affected
0: at all by you know, like because they brew? I'm going to say Cronenberg, uh, 1664 and hmm. maybe Carlsberg. Yes, yes under Carlsberg, license. Yep, now, did those yep. did those change with the CBSR? Asahi, SAB Miller. Not no, away, no, it? no, because musical chairs, no,
1: because yeah, um, yeah. and I don't think that they were sort of notable um, in it. So um, it was, and we, we did ask a follow up, and I can't remember what the numbers were for like their new line, are about not, they're, they're still single figures for their, um,
2: they repre- um, XBA and represent, um, and Pac Ale represent 7 Pacific Ale, please. Sorry, Pacific Ale, <laughs> uh, represents 7.4% of its volumes this year. There you go, seven point four percent. Seven
1: point, so it's still, you know, so like that's. Oh no, I mean that's for for two new products.
2: And that's the hazy, the hazy one. The hazy IPA wasn't included this year because they released it the
0: following year. Actually, okay. Speaking of cans, um, our last story: New Zealand brewers face can shortages ahead of the holidays. Many New Zealand breweries are on edge as they prepare for the (laughs) holiday production push, thanks to a shortage of cans and, more importantly, lids. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the lid yes, problem in that New Zealand—that would be an issue, wouldn't the,
0: it? The New Zealand lod problem is <laughs> exacerbated by COVID nineteen <laughs> and industrial action in Sydney. Uh, while canned bottoms are manufactured in New Zealand, lids—lids uh, have come from Australia, uh, according to Radio New Zealand. New Zealand's main ports are all reporting delays and congestion. So, oh, okay, so, that, so there's a number of a number of factors there coming into. Do you know what they should do? I reckon they should call one three hundred eight five two two three five. 852 235 Why would you do that? Ooh. Well, because Relling's label stickers and packaging would be on the other end of that phone number. Um, and they're not able to supply just labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, trays, tap decals, barcodes, shrink sleeves, everything, the whole lot, the whole Megillah. You can get the whole lot. And I just wonder whether if you put a shrink sleeve on sideways, would that seal the top of the can? <laughs> and you wouldn't have to, that would solve your lid problem. And it would be <laughs> um, easier to open too. No, I'm, sure get yeah,
1: I'm <laughs> suspecting not. And I'm and I'm sure the professionals at Railings would not Advi- advise. Oh, I'm, I'm sure otherwise. there'd
0: be safe work <laughs> limits and, yeah, uh, safe um, load limits and all that sort of thing and pressure. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, give the guys a call. Cool. Did I mention the number? Was it 1300 852 235? I think that's the number you said. I think it was. Yep, yep. Done. Um, so that's – that, well, that'll be interesting. Well, it,
1: it, it's an interesting one because, you know like – The
0: bottles, call, do bottles make a resurgence as a result, Matt.
1: Well, funnily well, enough, well, Vizzy now owns <laughs> OY Glass um, in Australia and New Zealand, so, which is a smart business move. But again, you, you don't just go, oh, I can't get cans this week. I'm going to go buy bottles because yeah. – Well, nobody's going to be looking for that, are they? Yeah. Like well, you're your loyal, regular. Oh, I, well, I
2: admit, I'm,
0: I'm really starting to embrace cans especially every second Thursday when the bin gets emptied, because at the moment it's all uh, – it's taken me six it's months quieter.
1: to get rid of all the bottles. Um, oh, but can, I can fit so many more crushed cans oh. into it. So you don't recycle – like you don't take them down and get your 10 cents?
0: I have a man come and collect them for me, Matt. Oh. We're, we're, we're civilised down here in Melbourne. Every second week, blue-lid bin in the city of Knox. Um, put all of your oh, – okay. mix all your cans, bottles – um, cardboard, well, we've plastics, got the in. A whole lot. I don't
2: think they've got a container deposit scheme down there. You don't, have, there. don't
1: there. have a container deposit scheme
2: down there, right? No. It's,
0: okay. it's it's coming in in 2023, I think. And there's yeah, they just started making noises about it now. But I'll still be stepping on my cans and putting them in the in the bin. I won't be schlepping them down to poke them through a machine. I know what I'm going to gonna
1: get it. you for Christmas, Pete. One of those things that you screw into the the wall of your man cave. That You put the empty can in and pull it down and can crush it (laughs) just so you don't sort of wear out that, you know, just the right heel on your, the the heel on your right shoe. Oh, my God.
0: No, because what I've started doing now to amuse myself is I put one, uh, I put two next to each other and I step on one on the left, one on the right. And then I try to lift myself up and then just give a bit of a and see if I can crush them both at the same time.
2: You are crackers.
0: You are easily (laughs) amused. Anyway, um, let's amuse you. Lockdown. We've been in lockdown for a long time. Yes. It affects different people differently. (laughs)
2: Um, and on, sorry, going back to the actual Glasgow's cans thing, um, and one of the New Zealand brewers made the point that if they're listed in, like, retailers, you can't just say, oh, well, we can't have any cans. Oh, so you can't just – Yeah. You yeah. Can, it's technically a new product if you do that, and so you have to go yeah. through all the same processes. And
0: Because that's the other thing too is that a lot of uh, retailers will be saying, no, well, you know, cans, we have this, the shelf mm. space this far apart because yeah. I can stack stack cans on top of each other, but I can't stack stubbies.
2: Exactly. Um, And Mm. they factor all that kind of stuff into when they choose to buy um, from these brewers. So, I mean, it made sense if you're a small, maybe if you're like a small, just a brew pub, you don't do much distribution, then you can easily make that pivot. Um, Mm. But no, yeah, it's not going to work. But interesting. Um, So if anyone's heard more about supply in Australia, which we've been looking into as well, then do let me know.
1: Yeah, are any brewers experiencing, because according to Aurora, mm. you know, um, there is a healthy growth in demand, but there's... <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention the supply bit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: everybody wants them, but we're not telling you if, we, if we've got enough. <laughs> Bless them.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that would be definitely worth keeping um, keeping an ear out and an eye out for. Um, so yeah, if any brewers have um, have heard any whispers, let us know. And there's maybe an opportunity for somebody in there who can, um, you know, is maybe making something else made out of aluminium mm-hmm. who can pivot and make lids.
2: Exactly. <laughs> we'll see. Who knows?
0: We'll see. Um, TV. Anyone catch TV last night? Not me. No. Last night, as you're listening to this on Wednesday night uh, on the ABC, uh, the Gruen Transfer uh, had a, a bit of a chat about, um, about beer last night. What's they the do Gruen Transfer? Every now and then. And I think, Matt, that's where we first got our uh, rule of four, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: was first released on on Gruen might have been um, was it Adam Ferrier
1: Adam Ferrier, uh, I can't remember but it was way back when in the first I think it was the first show of the first season of Gruen that they talked about beer because let's face it back in the day beer marketing you know beer advertising was some of the 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 most moneyed um, advertising whereas the you know because the, the best the advertising dollars go where the money is and at the moment it from what I can see, it's all um, online gambling is where the money is, judging by the ads. Well, also. And, and also
0: um, I did catch up to your beer's conversation with Antonia trachari and that was one of the really interesting things. You know, have we seen the last of things like the big ad, or you know, so now if you want to sell beer, the big guys selling beer, it's more likely to be targeted um, social media posts, or um, you know, the the two guys dumping their pregnant misses and going off. <laughs> for a bit of BCF and fun and um uh, and that's that kind of thing rather than you know the, the clever ads that we that we used to see the the like the big budget productions
1: mm. but that said you know and we can't um ignore the fact that you know this week we've seen ballistic go large with mm. um advertising you know they've they even had you know <laughs> I don't think it was a TV advertisement but there was a you know we are seeing brewers film their little you know bolter yeah which you know is has the uh, bold it yeah but Boulder, even before they bought, an they art were doing, yeah, art doing their own little in-house videos um mm. through you know with with their creative mates and you know we're now seeing ballistic take billboards and um you sassy know
2: sassy billboards as well super sassy they haven't got any cease and desist yet though so
1: no well <laughs> i mean that's probably a whole other discussion about whether name checking other, other other brands yeah. um oh okay i
2: I'll ha- I'll to ask is that I'll sassy or arty? Well, well, I think that's what sassy is, isn't yeah. it? Sassy, sassy is a, a positive say, spin to yeah, being a smart-ass. I ass. say sassy, but...
0: <laughs> I thought sass was what I get in return from a, a seemingly normal request for one of my
1: daughters. I get oh, yeah, I guaranteed. get sass in return. Yes, you will. Yeah, but it, it, that sounds better than my, daughter is, check my daughter is... My daughter is sassy other... is better than my daughter is a smart-ass.
2: Yeah, that makes you sound really annoyed <laughs> at her rather than, I admire your spunk. I, I admire your sass. <laughs> <laughs> Touché. <laughs> Um, so
0: some of the interesting things come out of Gruen uh, Corona's decision not to leverage the virus, um, which was to their advantage. Really?
1: <laughs> was there really? A surprise well, how it? could was, you leverage no that? Everyone well. else
0: did it. Everyone else was posting pictures of you know. Well, I can't see anything wrong with this, or you know, uh, you know. Everyone else seemed to be taking the piss of, of, of the the name check of, of Corona, that Corona probably didn't need to do it themselves. What would have yeah, Corona yeah. would
1: want to distance itself yeah. from
2: it. <laughs> you, Did you know? it had, uh, really early on, I think I saw that um, Corona sales in the US had gone down during coronavirus. Well, uh, yeah. the, the, where it with the I've seen
1: stories with it going up and, um, you know, the, the same story. And, and this mm. is where, you know, like, whether it's a like a consumer survey or, you know, whatever, you're going to see so many data points that, you need to then try and work out well what we're we hearing versus what we're we saying. Mm. What's the agenda driving this um, story? So a lot of you know, like I, I think one of them came from a, mar- you know, a market research company that wanted to get their brand on. You know, a study conducted by market research agency, and ultimately that they don't care whether the data is correct or not. They just want to get their name on mm-hmm. the survey. Yeah. The um, yeah, because then they get the clicks and they get references as, you know, as reported by X, you know, in the mainstream media. So it's free advertising for them and the data is just unreliable. So I I I still don't know what it is, but I can, you know I'm not surprised I'm not surprised that they're distancing themselves from it, socially yeah. distancing themselves from it.
0: Now oh good, yeah, nice. In that case, it's time to dive into the mailbag. All our letter writers will receive a Deb Lou Bakes cookie and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack, thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor oh, our um, letter of the week.
1: Mixed carton of uh, Eclipse. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh! Ooh. okay.
0: Um, don't forget, you can also review us on iTunes, or you can send us in an email. You can comment on the Facebook uh, group. Uh, just use, If you're not a member already, jump on, search for Radio Brewers News, use the password soapbox. Email, letter, comment, all those sorts of things everyone uh is um, eligible for our beer of the uh, letter of the week, and the first one.
2: Um, it was actually a text from Mike, and I do have to apologise to Mike because he sent me this the Friday before last, and I thought, oh, I'll reply to it on Monday because it's, it's work related. And uh, then I completely forgot for like a week, so sorry, Mike. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> um, it's, anyway, it's, it's the
0: embargo—it's the embargo disaster all <laughs> it over is, again. Is it?
2: But more, more like reverse because I forgot all about it, so I've never <laughs> got in trouble.
0: <laughs> well, now, um, well now, Mike gets clear air, whereas last week, you know, the week before, it would have just been all mixed in with the other Guinness stuff.
2: Exactly. Um, so yeah. So and that—that's exactly what it was about. Uh, was listening this morning um, and around the Guinness thing in Indonesia. If I'm recalling correctly, the biggest market for Guinness is South Africa and Africa. Correct. Um, I believe they have a brewery in Nigeria.
1: Nigeria, that's
2: it, isn't it?
0: It's
1: the second biggest market for for Guinness outside isn't of. Isn't
2: that mental? Dublin. And I
1: believe the beer is made on sorghum there as well because they use the local grains oh, for the base beer. There you go. Yeah. yeah, and it's a. I think it's a
0: green label.
2: Ah, there you go. Um, and he says yes. Yeah, super interesting. Max is super interesting, given their climate. Um, there's a fantastic brand ambassador for Guinness, Donald, and he's a great guy to listen to. Um, have you had him on the podcast before, Matt? I Ma- don't Mike's think Mike suggested have. you might have And I birth. think
1: that the spelling of his name might be wrong because when I went looking for him, um, there was someone with a similar ah, spelling who's a him. brand ambassador who I think comes to Australia every now and then to... Yeah. Um, and I don't think... I, I I couldn't find it in our records. Um, oh, okay. But I know that they do have people. a couple of people who are, you know, yeah. you know that perfect blend of entertaining showman, knowledgeable brand ambassador. Um, yeah. But ultimately, they're just spruking the, you know, um, <laughs> they're telling you the line that sells them. That sells well, them yeah. They're, they're um, just selling it, sides. But they do it so beautifully that, you know, um, you don't always I'll live, Yeah,
2: I'll take that one. Um Apparently, he was telling Mike how in Africa, because they don't plug in fridges due to the cost, Guinness sells amazingly because people would rather have an ambient stout than an ambient lager.
0: Very good point. Fair
2: enough, fair enough, yeah. I would.
0: That does sound a little bit like the Charlie Bamford story about when he was talking about Guinness and the old lady who put her hand up and said, now, is it true that uh, the reason that Guinness tastes the way it is is because they have a dead cow in the vat? <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie like said, my, my, my dear woman, that's ridiculous. It's two cows. <laughs> <laughs> and just and the way Charlie tells the story, it's just, you know, he, there's a lot more lead up to it and all that sort of thing. But it's just, and it's just one of those things that, you know, um, Guinness came about Because there was a fire and they they were tight asses and didn't want to throw the grain out, so they just throw it in, burnt, and then oh look, we've discovered Guinness. So I think it's (laughs) a lot of those things. You know, I I doubt that they're not plugging their fridge. Well, I don't doubt that they're not plugging their fridges in, but Mm. I still, I think I'd rather have no beer than a a warm stout. I
1: don't know. Well, no, but again, I don't, I don't want to have a warm stout. But then, in thirty-eight degree heat. Well, but if you're able to sort of, you know, if you've got a in ground cellar or something like that, where you'd, you're lower than mm-hmm. the ambient temperature, but yeah. it's still not like it's not refrigerated, but it's not hot. Um, I, I can understand the logic, and I think that that's quite believable. Or if you wrap a cool, guardy, uh, you know, safe around it, um, you know, the bit of um, what, what's the material, hemp, Hessian, hessian <laughs> around, and you wet it and it evaporates and cools down to get it to a temperature that makes it, you know, acceptable.
0: Email from Pete Bradley, a big shed. Ruin concern, Claire.
2: Um, Peter says, thanks for the work that goes into the podcast. I'm a commute listener and the one hour cook. Limit covers my return drive to Big Shed Brewing Co. every Friday. Uh, Listening to your last podcast, the statement was made that most beer awards in Australia were delayed and scrapped other than the Indies and the Queensland Beer Awards. Ah, well, the Royal Adelaide Beer and Cider Awards are definitely all go, with the judging panel led by Stephen Nelson scheduled to meet together in person at the Adelaide Showgrounds to judge entries on Wednesday the 18th of November and Thursday the 19th. The presentation of the awards will occur in conjunction with the Adelaide Beer and Barbecue Festival on the 4th of December, everyone. Well, that sounds lovely. And they also had the Perth ones. We yeah, do no, yeah, no. no we ahead, we also
1: we? got a, a message um, about the Perth um, awards oh. that we forgot as well. So, <laughs> Whoop, Sorry, guys. Let, let's just f- admit that we got it completely wrong. We got wrong. it utterly wrong. Yeah. yeah. Apologies. <laughs> and, and thank you to everybody, to all of the uh, various state, um, you know, people involved in the state awards. Um, they're... Oddly enough, we did cover on Bruce News, like we wrote about them uh, on oh, Bruce okay, News, yeah. <laughs> but then all had mental blanks when we were talking about it last week.
0: Yes, um, likewise with Amber Ales. Apparently, we didn't mention um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we as many as we should have. Speaking of which, James Davidson <laughs> um, and, in the Facebook group. Sorry, and,
1: and, and, and we've moved on from, from Guinness, but oh, yeah. um, there was also something posted in the Facebook group today mm-hmm. that apparently the Guinness uh, Zero has been recalled.
2: What? Oh. breaking news I was going
1: to throw that in when we were talking about beer recalls and something because it's not just small independent brewers it's big oh, brewers yeah. as well um,
2: microbiological contamination Of your alcohol
1: beer, so I don't know whether they pasteurized it or not um and Ooh, obviously you being, would have thought they were it's not available here, so it's uh it wasn't really on our news beat but um thank you to brendan coffee who who shared that uh, link um this morning interesting
0: uh, uh, I-, I wonder if, yeah, oh wow the-
1: or oh, James atkinson um you know, he's weighed into the, to the comments, so he's still an unofficial correspondent for, for Bruce News, um, has said that they've been bombarded on Twitter by pregnant women who have been consuming it. There's no margin for oh, error with a product sugar. like this.
2: Oh, no. So if
1: it's re-fermented, um, because if there's... So is micro-
0: the problem that it may not be zero, that it's creating alcohol, or that it's a bacterial infection and it's
1: dodgy? Well, this is a, a, an a English Sky News problem. It just says it's microbiological contamination in some cans. Yes, yeah,
2: some cans might be unsafe oh, okay. to consume.
1: It only affects a non alcoholic version. Um, but if there is, you know, if it is micro, it's either, oh, crap. you know, going to be bacterial um, or it's, you know, yeast is often regarded as micro as well. So it could have, um, if it wasn't pasteurized yeah. and it's refermented, then it could have taken it outside of the, um, you know, that, oh that whole God. re-fermentation I, thing,
2: and I mean, if some a brewer like Guinness can do this, whoa!
1: It's but it's a brave new frontier. Like mm. our, it was, um, there are so many, and, and we are going to be launching a um, another event. Um, <laughs> this isn't a tie into that, but. <laughs> um, You're getting good at this. Aren't <laughs> yeah, we, well, we see what is out there and deliver the news Respond, um, yep. based on that, even before the news actually happens. So these things take a while to come up. But um about to do a, another webinar um, with fermentus, looking at the various techniques to create alcohol-free beers um, that don't necessarily involve a huge investment in vacuum distillation or the other expensive ones. And, uh, you know, the only thing I've seen about the Guinness one is that it's cold-filtered. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which I'd, I don't know what that, I'd, means, that that to me mean? sounds like they're trying to glorify reverse osmosis because that which is one of the um ways of removing the alcohol.
2: It sounds a little bit less chemically, doesn't it? Yeah, than reverse osmosis. <laughs> Just uh, like, so
0: we, we did we did mention James Davidson's um, contribution, but we, we we mentioned it earlier. But it's probably worth picking out that he still has the article. It did start off his sort of his craft beer nerd. Journey, Uh, And the top five. The top five is an interesting one. So this is from um, top 20 in 2008. 2008. So 12, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, Little Creatures Pale Ale, number one. Dog Bolter, Matilda Bay, number two. Muscle Stout by uh, Ballerine Brewing, which I don't know that they make that anymore. Um, And James Squire, original Amber Ale at number four. And Feral White by Feral. With an honourable mention, uh, honourable mentions included VB, <laughs> which, which which kind of yeah, restates the point that Matt said that you know sometimes when you when you're outside the bubble, not even looking in, with your back to the bubble, um, yeah, beer's just whatever floats your boat.
1: And as I said, like it was you know, Rory Gibson who was the Queensland equivalent um, in in the in the Korea Mail wrote a very you know um, broad um, audience beer column. Even in the mid-2000s, if he wrote about little creatures, he would get angry letters going, why don't you write about things that we can buy? Because in you know, a state as big as Queensland, you, you, it's very hard to write for the entire market, particularly with a beer that was a little bit obscure.
0: Lucky they've now got a beer from up here, <laughs> or up there. Actually, okay. funny enough, you-
1: I'll, I'll post something in there. I, 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 when we were talking about the Kent Brewery last week, and thank you to, I think it was Steve Levian, who pulled out his Kent book um, and shared it, on the, the history of the Kent Brewery that he shared in the um, Radio Brews News Group, but I went looking for that book because I've got a couple of the, um, every now and then cropping up on some of the second-hand bookshops, you can find these um, books in you know, archive book sellers, and I went looking for that particular book but ended up buying half a dozen other ones including uh, Cyril Pearl's Book of Australia, and there was a lovely book about an English um, writer who wrote about a journey around Australia, you know, and this would have been in 1980s when you know it was very blokey and it was basically a constant refrain of every person he had a beer with going, mate, what do you reckon about that? We make the best beer in the world here in Australia. <laughs> um, actually, it must have been the, the, the 70s because the Max Brewery in Rockhampton was still going and so was the Great Northern Brewery in Cairns. And he visited both of those breweries. Um oh, there you go. And, uh, yeah. Um, so... That there that was a great brewery, the CUB, lovingly closed down.
0: And a shout out to uh, a shout out to Brad Rogers, who I'm pretty sure, if memory serves me correctly, uh, may have even started his brewing career, or uh, certainly early on at the Kent Brewery. And I reckon he went from there over to F1J1 to do uh, to brew Fiji bitter.
1: Um, well, that was he was at Masthead. Um, Brewing I, on the I, Gold Coast. I thought that was. I thought that was later. Well, I, I think that was before Fiji, and well, we'll, and we'll have to fact check this, but I, I, I think we've moved. on. We should the, just get uh, the great yeah. man
0: on again. We need to. We need to just yeah, get him on and have a chat. But anyway, um, last one there um, from Adam Forbes in the Facebook group, Claire.
2: Um, okay, Adam. Oh, this. All right. Okay, yeah. uh, Adam says, great episode of bear of a Conversation stay with Peter Layla. I'm finding Lola, I'm, um. Lo, so I, I
1: think I said it, Layla, but it's Lawler. Oh right, okay. As in it is Lawler.
2: Yeah, because I just copied you, Matt. You led me astray there. <laughs> um I'm finding that I'm really enjoying the chats with people who are on the fringes. Well, not the fringes, but let's say non-brewery staff. Keep them coming that's what we talked about and i agree i think it's really interesting as you say to see people that aren't necessarily in the craft beer bubble and how they see it from the outside and what they think is important um because sometimes we have blinkers on and think oh this is the major massive problem like or oh look at this this is the greatest piece of news ever and you're a bit like what does the rest of the that 90 you were talking about earlier what do they think about it
1: yeah and and that's weird like with the conversations and i don't know what your approach is Pete, because you know the conversations you do we don't i don't script it i've got you know there's a there's a reason that a guest has stuck out that makes them interesting to me um and you know we get a lot of people who say can I come on the the, the podcast or you know i want to talk about this on the podcast and we go well, we don't want to make it a like it it it's not you know whenever you hear um you know the w t f podcast with Mark Maron or whatever it's celebrities who have something to promote and almost grudgingly go on as a way to promote their current thing. Um, and we actually generally want to avoid doing that. Um, you know, and speaking to, I think there's some notable examples, um, you know, we, we spoke to Dave Padden about Akasha and their rebrand. And that was part of it. It was topical, it was new, but it was actually interesting to dig in and find out why that is. The Antonio Ciorciari, um interview was very much just an interesting person who had a very interesting career and we're not there to push anyone's agenda. Um, the Peter Lawler one went completely differently to what I expected I had an idea of the questions I wanted to ask him but that went out the window pretty much from the first question um and uh yeah so it it certainly that there is a certain um serendipity in in the guests that we get um and having a a a good conversation but that's also just because they're fascinating people and uh I don't know how we go about going how we religiously make somebody on the periphery a guest um and make it interesting to everybody
0: having said that We've got a lot of people out there who can give us suggestions because people will be mm-hmm. meeting people that we, you know, perhaps haven't heard about. Um, I've got one coming up um, with a, a guy who's a, you know, retired pharmacist or something or commercial airline pilot who's just growing some hops, um, you know, a, a, a hobby farm sort of thing down, um, down in Gippsland. Um, but it's just a really fascinating thing because, again, he's not sort of, you know – Trying to make it a commercial proposition, he's just he's just got relationships with some small local brewers, and he's you know providing some hops to to get some beer back in in return, and just to see how you know it's a learning experience for him. So you know that sort of thing to me is interesting.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, but this yeah, as I say, we've got plenty of people out there who can uh, put us in touch with you know alert us to somebody who's who's got an interesting story to tell because at the end of the day, beer
1: is a conversation. And we've got far more people. You know, the, 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 my list of people I want to reach out to is long, um, and it, 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 you know, not including somebody um, in, in the podcast is generally just we haven't got to them yet, as opposed to we don't find them interesting or worthwhile. Um, yeah, and, and that's that's yeah. a hard one. And uh, you know, gee, if you know, if, if people sponsored the podcast, um, you know, uh, we might be able to. Even create more beer, you know, Do two bureau conversations a week if we, you
2: know. Ooh, <laughs> look at you. Look at all this. You've changed, Matt. You've no. changed. I
0: got, <laughs> got a phone call actually from one of our new gold sponsors.
2: Who oh, so was woo. inquiring about? No, not sponsors. Subscribers.
0: They're subscribers. Subscriber, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, for my gold subscribership. Uh, you know, what do I get? And I said, "Well, I answered the phone, didn't I?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete. Said normally I would have. I would let it go through to voicemail. See that's,
1: so, and it, 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 It's really touche. funny, and I know that I'm, I'm looking at the time. I know that this is a long episode, so guys, you might just want to end up doing another week, another lap. It, it, it's really concerning when we actually call. When breweries take a subscription, um, that it, it's called a subscription. It's not an ad or whatever, because you know our approach is we do the industry news for free, and we ask ourselves, uh, you know, three questions um, when, when whenever there's a story, um, and we write for the industry. And the questions are, you know, does the industry need to know this? Because if the industry needs to know the thing, that is news, and we will cover that regardless of any consumer. Um, you know, or, or any commercial obligation, and the second question is: Does the industry want to know this? You know, is this something that the industry would appreciate us sharing with them? That's also news because it's our core role. The third one is: Does somebody want the industry to know this? Then, you know, if the, if, if it's no to the first two, then I'm sorry, that's an ad, um, and we pay pay it. Um, and th- there is a mindset these days that public relations role is to create content for people and that if you get your story in the news you have somehow managed to game the system and create awareness or you get your news out there without running an ad I'm sorry that if you're using somebody else's platform to Promote your product, that is advertising. Some people manage to get free advertising, but it's not free because you've paid a public relations agency to create that for you. And, you know, all of these young disruptors who think that they're doing something different, um, if you're paying for public relations, you are paying for an ad. It's just in a different format. The problem is that when you shift your advertising spend to public relations people and not to the platforms that you want to be on and have things that are transparently advertising, you are actually undermining the ecosystem that drives down. So if you look at, um, at, at the moment, I'm seeing all of these, you know, the six best brewery tour companies in in a region. You're going, well, there are only six. You know, <laughs> the 32 best seltzers. Um, those are businesses that are desperately trying to get clicks um, with shit content that is purely trying to get their Google SEO up. Um, and, you know, look, at uh, Completely, this is an ad for Bruce News and for businesses that you know support us by advertising because that allows us to do the news that we do. Sub- subscribing, Um
2: <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: well, take take a subscription, and in return for your subscription, we get we'll keep doing what we do. Um, the the only benefits that you get as a subscriber is you you get included in our weekly new beer roundup, which is just basically, it's not a review, it's a summary of your media release about your new beer. You get free job ads and you get, um, you can send us media releases if it doesn't fit those tests um, and we're not going to run it as news, we're not going to tell anybody it's news, but we do have that media release stream.
0: But but Matt, we should point out, it does come with a word of warning. If you're going to put out exploding product you are going to get shit canned for your shit cans
1: oh no 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 <laughs> we will cover the story fairly but again like we had uh you know like a, a big company that um didn't like a story that we wrote this week so say well you know, this is going to make it very hard for us to advertise with you i'm sorry <laughs> even if you were advertising this was a story that had to be covered and we don't care we can't care whether um, you're going to threaten to pull your advertising or not. So, sorry, that was a very, very long bit of a...
0: A very long way of saying I'd like to thank our subscribers, Crymalt. Relling's label, Stickers and Packaging, and our good friends at Beer Cartel who subscribe and look after us. They don't
1: sponsor it. They don't advertise it. Oh, no, oh, no, no. Are no. Supporters. <laughs> they are
0: supporters. They, they oh, advertise.
1: They advertise. But if, if you look at the amount of cry malt content, <laughs> you know, that's in, in this podcast outside of us saying thank you, and, you know, if you're a listener, if you're a brewer, and you appreciate this, we hope that you appreciate the fact that it is because of the advertising that Cry takes that supports this uh, podcast that makes it possible. Then that was an ad. That was a paid ad for Australian Brewers News. Thanks, Matt, for being part of this one. <laughs> Thank you, Pete.
0: Thank you, Claire. Cheers, Pete. Thanks Jimmy for not turning up again. going to start <laughs> docking like his it? pay. What kids, kids today? We might to start paying him, so we can start docking his pay. Maybe it's um, our
1: old uh, work ethic, but you know we turn up week in week
2: out. Uh, so do I, <laughs> and I'm even younger than Jimmy.
1: So look, I
0: won't go into what's on this week for you guys because I'm sure it's sunny up there and there's beer to be drunk, so enjoy it. Um, So I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. It's been a pleasure yet again. And thank you to all of you for listening, for contributing, for commenting and emailing and all that stuff that you do. We love that you love us and we love that we can keep doing this, um, which we'll keep doing to the end of the year, which Matt... The countdown's on. It's we're halfway through November already.
1: Um, Have we got any plans for our last last
0: episode of the year? And when will our last podcast episode be?
1: Joe informs us that the 18th of December uh, is going to be our 300th episode, and we were looking. Yeah, and uh, Joe's going to be on leave, so that'll be our last formal pre-record podcast, Um, nicely edited. Yep. But we were actually thinking that. Perhaps on because we record this the day before, so the 17th will be the day that we record that. So a week after that will be Christmas Eve, um, the 24th. So Joe will be on leave, but we were toying with the idea, listeners, of having a live Christmas Eve, um, sit around the mistletoe, drinking our eggnog um, stouts, and um, just doing a live podcast um maybe at five o'clock that afternoon that we don't have to worry about editing because it went out live already and doing a um live similar similar to what
0: we did with the antidote with the
1: antidote so yeah um so if anyone wants to just sit in sit around the christmas tree and sing christmas carols with us um let us know if you'd like to and you know we'll certainly go to the effort if there is interest in having something that you guys can then actually even phone in and uh you know in in hello caller um long time listener first time caller uh (laughs) Oh because we we do <laughs> have the technology to, to do that. To Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I've been listening to Radio British News for 137 years. <laughs> when I, the onion that I had on my belt was. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> now anyway, um, I, God, we, uh, Joe, we what it. can you make of this? But thank you, Pete. Thank you, listeners, for no joining up with us.
0: Drink fresh. Drink local. Wash your damn hands. Look after each other. And if it comes down to a choice, choose kind.
1: And we're out. Mm. Oh, subdued boom. No, well, none of I us have got any chilliness. Atmospheric. After, <laughs> after that, oh, 1800, boom.
2: I'll do it like that next week. Bow
1: chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> All right. or, or boom, chicka, boom, boom.
2: <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, that'll do.
1: Good. Uh, good luck with 1-800-boom. this, Joe. 1800, <laughs> boom Poor Joe.